Hello and welcome once again to Oakwood Connects. Today we're going to be looking at the parable of the wheat and tares. Hello, welcome once again. The parable of the wheat and tares, we're going to be going into Matthew chapter 13. It's going to be a lengthy read this morning, but uh, again, Matthew 13, starting at verse 24. Matthew 13, starting at verse 24. And it says, Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced it a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them up? But he said, No, least while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. In the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And then if you will, if you'll drop down to verse 37 of the same chapter, Matthew 13, verse 37, he explains the parable. And he says, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is in the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out his kingdom, gather out out of his kingdom, all the things that offend, and those who practice lawlessness. And I will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing, gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, again, there are a lot of things in this, this parable. It is, it is full. Uh, so we're only going to focus on one element of this and then uh next week obviously we will do a different one but the first thing that uh that we're going to look at this parable establishes that there is good and there is evil you know that's something that people don't necessarily argue no one really argues that you know, there is um there is good and then in contrast, they are really saying that then there must be evil too. A lot of times we don't like to talk about the evil part, but we will establish that yes, there are there are good things or a, a, a way to live, I guess I should say. Um, nobody argues that it is it is okay to steal their stuff, right? When so, if something gets stolen, people get upset. And so there is definitely this thought in our head. There is definitely this moral compass that everybody lives by. The difference is, is that uh, 
it gets a little confusing. You know, you can, uh, we have this idea as human beings, we have this idea that, you know, we can be good on our own. And, you know, really for the most part, people do try to be quote unquote good. But the problem with that is, is just that there is this loose definition out there of what is good and what is bad. Uh, you know, humans like to live, it seems, in this mild state of confusion. We, we like to decide what the rules of engagement are. You know, we, we like to decide how we function in society. You know, again, the problem with that is, is everybody's moral compass isn't the same. And even though we claim as humans that we like to be independent and we like to, uh, you know, be able to decide on our own. And that is true. And that is definitely part of all of this. There is a decision that we have to make, but to claim that we like to live where there is no rules, that's just false. We do like to have rules. The problem with that is again, who is establishing those things, whether you believe or not, nonetheless, you are living by a set of rules you know, we, we decide how we're going to be treated, for example. We, we decide how we're going to treat others. We're never up... If, if that was the case, if there was no rules, if there was never any rules or, or you know, a obligation to some kind of moral compass that you live by, then you would never be upset about anything. Because if that was the case, there would be no bad. So therefore, there would be nothing to be upset about. You know, again, we so we decide. We decide what is right. We decide what is wrong. And and again, you might be sitting there saying, well, you know, what is wrong with that? Why is that such a big deal, John? Why, why can't we decide what is good and what is wrong? Well, again, it's the definition. The definition is made up by every individual. You can see the chaos that we live in what you might consider to be something that is quote-unquote bad, another person might not. And so therefore, there is, again, just this confusion in the world. And if you think I'm wrong in this, just look at the world. Look at, you know, watch the news for a little bit. It is definitely a confusing place. And it's because we're rewriting what is good and what is bad. You know, the most anarchist of people, again, do not want their stuff stolen. In order to say something is right, in order to say that, hey, what I am saying is right, what you're really saying, and this is interesting because, again, as we live in this world of confusion, most people will say they are right. Otherwise, you're, you have opinions, you have a mind, you have opinions, and again, you live by some kind of moral compass, and you are saying, ultimately, that you are right, which also means, and heads up, here's a word that people don't like, that also means that if you're right, if you're saying that something is right, 
what you're really saying is that it is true. And then we get into the question of, well, then what is truth? Now, you are listening to a, a Christian podcast, right? So we are going to argue that Jesus Christ is the way, that he is the truth, and that he is the life. We will also argue that uh, God has always been. He is who established the heavens and the earth. And we know by his word, and we know that we know who he is by his word. He tells us who he is. And so, again, because obviously, as a Christian podcast, that's what we establish. That's what we hear to be true. And so, we are also an Adventist podcast. And so, uh, we also know that who God is, we know who God is by his law, by all of his law. We know who God is because we know the law, and the law is his character. <clears throat> we know God by his word, and we believe him. We believe all of him. We don't pick and choose. We don't pick and choose the parts of scripture that, that we like. We choose to believe all of God. And you know, right now, if you're if you're listening to this and you're not a, uh, a believer, you're probably very skeptical. And you know what? I'm going to, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for being skeptical. You should be skeptical. There are plenty of crazy things out there that are asking for you to believe in them, right? You know, we have all the cults that are out there and we have, we've heard enough. We've seen enough from people who have said they are Christians and they believe in all of those things. And yet what they produce, what their lives show, it doesn't show a good character of God. That's for sure. So you should be care uh, careful and you should be skeptical, but God, God says, those are things that are made up by man. The things that you are skeptical of and your 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 ears perk up when you hear them and you and you say, "You know what? I don't want any part of that." Again, those are things that are made up by man. They might be in the guise of they follow God, but they're made up by man. God says, "Come, let us reason together." You know, I think there is this idea out there that you can't question God. And God says, no, you can go ahead and question me because God is true and he has nothing to hide. You know, God, again, he is not in the business of keeping people out of heaven. That really doesn't make sense. So this idea that God is on a, on a cloud with a thunderbolt just waiting for you to mess up so he can keep you out, that is a man-made-up idea. The scriptures do not show that that God. The scripture shows that there is a true God and he is a loving God and he is he is okay with us questioning. But he doesn't say just have questions. Come and find the answers. You know, uh 
I often say that uh, the 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 Xer generation were the last generation because we were willing to ask questions, and that's good. That's okay. Uh, but uh, the problem where we failed as a generation is that we tended to not really look for the answers after the questions. But God says, come and let us reason together. Come find the answers. You know, God is infinite. Uh, and so we won't always know everything about him. We'll be learning about God forever and ever and ever for eternity. But, uh, you know, he does say again, you can come and check me out by my law. You know who I am. And by the scriptures, you will, you'll learn more and more. Again, it is, it's infinite. You know, if it's a question of faith, excuse me, you know, we all accept things by faith. We have faith in things that we will never know the truth about, and yet we live our daily lives. Again, if you're a non-believer, you almost take it as a badge of honor that you're a non-believer because you don't have to be told what to think and and how to feel and all these things. And, and again, I understand that, but then at the same time, you will accept politicians, by faith, you will accept a significant other telling you that they'll always be true to you. By faith, you have these theories that really are not really based in any kind of truth. The Christian says, yes, I do live by faith. You know, Hebrews 11, verse 1, one of my favorite verses, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It does take faith to believe that what God says is true. But it also takes faith to believe in a lot of other theories that are out there that people live by. So it's not a question of living by faith that one is doing it and the other is not. We have evidence. Christians have the evidence. The faith is substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We have enough evidence in Scripture because, again, God says, come, let's reason together. You know, in Romans chapter 7, Paul puts it this way when he's talking about the law. So we, we live by the law because we live by the law because we know, again, that's who God is. So we see his law. We see who he is. We see his character. And that's what we want to live up to. And so in Romans chapter 7, verse 7, Paul puts it this way. He says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known covetousness unless the law said, you shall not covet. So the law isn't there to, to you know, put you down or, or, or make you feel bad. It does have that element to it the first time you come to it. But really, once you believe once you come to christ you look at the law completely different and it's not that bad if you think about it you know most of the laws that we live by human laws are they come from the law of god most people don't want their things stolen most people do not want uh 
their significant other to commit adultery. Most of us don't want to be murdered, so on and so forth. So really, when we look at the law, it really isn't this horrible thing that's trying to keep you down. Quite the opposite. It's, it, it shows God's love for humanity. It shows that he wants what's best for us. And again, that is his character. He, again, God says, I am the truth. I am love. I am righteous. That's who God is. And that is what he produces. So again, if you see a church, if you see a church member, or if you see um, people who claim God, but they're not producing truth, if they're not producing love and righteousness, don't question God. You may want to have to question the person that you're talking to. He establishes love. He establishes, he produces love. It's what his followers should produce as well. It's what his followers should establish. The sower, God, he wants nothing but wheat. That's what he produces. That's what he created. And he created that out of love. So there is a way. There is a way to live. It's the way that is talked about in Scripture. It is the way that is supposed to be how we grow. There is a law to live. But unfortunately, someone else has planted confusion. Someone else has said, there is other ways to live. You don't have to grow the way that God says you have to grow, which really God never really says that. He does suggest it, and it is true, but he never really forces you, as we see in this world. The other, the other sower, the one that he gets upset when you question what he's doing. He's the one who gets angry. You know, if you ever talk to somebody who doesn't like you questioning them, again, God says, come, let's reason together. So you have to wonder, well, then why? Why do people get so upset when you start to question their theologies? It's usually because there is something to hide. So as we look at the wheat and the tares, we're going to see that we've established who planted the wheat and that the wheat is good and what the more importantly the sower is good but then somebody later adds a little confusion and next week that's what we'll take a look at we will look at the evil one and we will take a look at the tears that he produces